Hi, everyone. I'm Raj Kumar, president and editor-in-chief of DevX. This week, we'll be breaking down the big headlines in global development and bringing in some top experts to help us do it. If you want to follow along with the stories we're talking about, check out devx.com and subscribe to our daily newsletter, The Newswire. There's a link in the description. Follow us along on Twitter, and you can see many of the stories we're talking about today. And we'd love to hear what you think. This is This Week in Global Development. This is kind of a special edition because uh, I and my two guests today are all in Davos, Switzerland, here for the World Economic Forum's annual meeting. Let me say hi to Nilmini. Hello. It's great to be here. Thank you, Raj. Yeah, great to hear your voice. Uh, I've just seen you in passing on the snowy streets here. Uh, Nilmini Rubin is known to a lot of people, I think, who listen to this podcast. Uh, your current role is as the chief policy officer at Hedera, which is a global blockchain platform. But a lot of people listening probably know you from your time on the Senate Foreign Relations Committee and the House Foreign Affairs Committee and in lots of global development-related roles uh, over the years. Great to have you here, Nilmini. And, and Asif, are you around? Yeah, I'm here. Thank you. Great great to hear your voice. And of course, Asif Saleh is the executive director of BRAC, uh, by some measures, the world's largest NGO, uh, Bangladesh-based, but all over the world. So it's great to have the two of you here because I think you're both Davos veterans. I've seen you around in prior years. I think this is I don't know, my ninth or tenth year. I was trying to figure it out. By this point in the in the week, it's nearly over, and I can barely remember my own name. I don't know about the two of you, but this is an intense few days where you go from meeting to meeting to interview to panel. Uh, how, how are you feeling, Emily? I am energized and completely wiped out. <laughs> you might be, uh, people who know me might think my voice is a lot lower now, <laughs> and that's because it's almost gone. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we're going to squeeze all the last bits of voice you have left. Asif, how about you? How are you doing? Yes, yeah, same here. I, I, but I think in a sense, um, I, I must say that um, when I came here, I was uh, feeling uh, quite like listening about the problems and everything. I was feeling very overwhelmed. But, you know, you get a sense of camaraderie and you also get a, a sense of uh, that, you know, you meet people people, you hear ideas, that you hear about solutions. So that's the bit which is kind of uplifting and energizing. Um, so I think I'm feeling quite excited about as well, uh, 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 if that makes any sense. <laughs> it, it really does. It really does. And it, it does feel to me kind of like a tale of two cities, you know, this year's World Economic Forum annual meeting, because you hear a lot of doom and gloom, which is all based on reality. <laughs> you know, things are really bad um, if we're in, by many measures. But then you get to hear exciting social innovators. You know, I've met with several social innovators today. They're doing incredible things. Um, and all these technology leaders that are here, um, you know, people really at the cutting edge of new tech. And so you, you see kind of what's possible too at the same time. What are, Nomini, what are some of your takeaways? Like, I know it's hard to process after all the events and meetings and such, but anything stand out to you? I think the two letters that stand out most from Gustavos is, are the two letters AI. I think that AI came up in almost every panel here. Um, the impact of AI on you know every single sector is discussed, and um, so that's been really exciting for me uh, working in the, the blockchain digital ledger technology space because we um, we have a lot of solutions on that that I can go into later. But AI and its impact, I think, has pervaded 
every conversation in Davos this year. It, it has, and it almost to Asif's point, it's almost to the point of being a little bit of a joke where, you know, we have these sessions and people who have not been here may not realize it's actually a lot of humanitarian and development and sustainability and, human, you know, health, global health sessions. And, but we, we'd say all these negative things and somebody toward the end would say, but AI might get us out of this. It came almost a little <laughs> bit of a joke. Yeah. But there are some exciting things too. Uh, Asif, what are some of your highlights? Yeah. takeaways? I think... I, what I was, have been hearing a lot, I mean, are my, the meetings that I've attended mostly focused on development. I kind of not actively participated in a lot of these AI conversations, but I was focused on uh, the other word that you heard about was the poly crisis, right? So that's the other word you heard out quite a lot, lot about. And for me, I think the, the, what I sensed is that there is this growing acknowledgement that, that it will really, really take like a different type of partnerships going forward to basically tackle some of these challenges. So, so we didn't call it public, private, philanthropic coming money coming together, talking about different types of financing model where you need to expand the and uh, sort of the current resources that are available. So I think they, I saw that there are a lot of newer players. I think the GCC countries are kind of trying to also a lot of flexing their muscles and so really kind of, you, you can sense that there's also a shift happening to a more multipolar world that we are talking about, right? So, so I mean, I just, the, my like final session there, it kind of ended with um, one of the speakers uh, saying that, that, you know, going forward, you know, the development will be done very differently. And I think that's, that hearing it, we've, I've been talking about it, we've been talking about it, but hearing from somebody from the World Bank, I think it's quite refreshing. So I think there is that acknowledgement that business usual, as usual won't uh, work anymore, and you need a lot of different actors to come together. I have the same sense. Um, Nomi, what do you think? Did, did you get a feeling like we're at this shifting point in time? Like, will we look back and remember this year, maybe this Davos, as a, as a kind of a turning point? I hope that we'll see it as a turning point, because um, I think that many of us aren't comfortable with the direction that things are going with the poly crises. So I really hope so. Um, I, I felt energized by the conversations around solutions, um, you know, kind of back to, to the AI piece and you know, people were talking about how AI can increase efficiency and in every sector from, you know, humanitarian to, to, uh, to manufacturing, to, you know, tech. Um, but it, you also heard a lot about how AI can mag magnify bias. Um, and um, so hopefully we're going to look back at this time and think we, we, saw, we secured the benefits and we mitigated the risks. Yeah, I hope so too. And I, I guess to, to what Asif was saying as well, I kind of feel like you got a sense, it was palpable this year, that this is no longer a global agenda that's just sort of dominated by the US and Europe. You know, part of it being the, the kind of Western coalition itself is somewhat fractured. And, you know, the politics within, you know, the traditional kind of OECD countries is getting very polarized. So there isn't even a clear direction from some of the countries that we might have thought of before as sort of the, the hegemons, the powers. Uh, look at the United States, for example, where the election could go in two very different directions. Everybody here is talking about that. But then you also just got this palpable feeling like some of the, the big countries in the global south and elsewhere 
you know, they're just fed up with it. And they, they really, they really are, they, they see the world as more multipolar and they're kind of leaning into that. Uh, I had one senior official describe this situation in the world to me as, you know, she said the world is divided into three types of countries right now. There's the rich, there's the big, and there's the rest. You know, the rich, right? The big, if you're Indonesia, if you're India, if you're Brazil, okay, there's some things you can do. You might not be uh, in a perfect situation where you want to be on your development trajectory, but you can, you know, domestically finance things. You can raise money internationally. You know, you're in a different place. Um, and then the rest, and it's like the rest is just, is sunk right now. Um, so, yeah, so if you said that that applies yeah. to you, what do you think? I absolutely, um, yeah, I agree. And I think, in, I too, I mean, I think, I think part of it is, um, you're right. I think it's probably, uh, you know, the chatters that we have been hearing about, or, you know, the various advocacy efforts in terms of reform in multilaterals. I mean, all of, you could, you could tell that all of those things are coming to fruition in many ways because you, and then all, all of this also give you the sense that you know advocacy matters right you know that you you slowly push the needle out, um, a little bit and, and 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 it is happening things are moving and it will be as there will be a state of confusion uncertainty uh in the next few years but i i, I think my hopeful self says that you know at, then it will stabilize but it will be, look a lot different than uh, how we have grown up in a world uh, where, as you said, where it was much more unipolar, where much more Western dominated. So I think, uh, and innovations are going to come from Global South and other places as well. I mean, that's the, that, I mean, more prominently and different types of innovations that's going to be more recognized. It's not going to be just a product driven innovation that we are talking about. So I think, you know, uh, I mean, the fact that I, that I, I like it because I think there is, voices for everybody uh, and the majority world uh, in a way will have a broader sort of say in terms of agenda setting so i think those are all all good thing one one thing i must say that it is probably going to be a suggestion for for the forum to happen is that you know in cop every year in november happens we talk about climate negotiations side events happen but i think climate should potentially have a permanent agenda at Davos as well. I, I kind of feel like regardless of whether they make a formal decision to do that or not, it, it is happening. I mean, that is, there's so much conversation about climate. It dominates almost everything because the climate, you know, the way forward on climate does require business and investors. It does require the public sector and, you know, governments have to have to be a big part of this at different levels. And you need the social innovators, the nonprofit civil society, and, there are a few places where they all are, and they all are here. Um, and while this is pretty big and unwieldy in some ways, um, you can kind of see a lot of the people you need to see in one place. COP, you know, it's just so massive. I don't know how you felt, um, but, yes. you know, this year, 100,000 people or something in Dubai. This feels a little bit more manageable. And so, you know, you can get a narrative that comes out of many conversations um, on that. And I think, I think it's a key, a key gathering point for climate. I think you're absolutely right. No way, any reaction to that? Yeah, so I completely uh, resonate with that idea of rich, big, and rest. And you can see it physically in Davos. When you're walking down the main street, which is called the promenade, and you look at the different um, groups that have secured storefronts for this week, and it's rich countries, like countries from um, from the Gulf, 
and it's big countries like India. In fact, there's multiple storefronts for for India for different states. So um, they are they are definitely there, and you don't see as much from the rest. On um, on climate, I. I, I think it's an important thing for people to talk about at Davos. I would just caution against it becoming a a second cop because you know there are so many um, costs and environmental impacts to travel that um, if we could really narrow in on what we need to to do from cop um, that and and like take action that would be that would be incredible. But just not have not have too many people. Yeah, it, and Davos does have a lot of people for this small skiing village, you know. And I think I think the WEF constantly tries to find ways to crack down on it. I know they had like a much harder process this year for getting hotel badges. These are the badges you get that don't let you in the main conference center, but let you into where a lot of the side events are happening in the hotels. Um, and they, like, it seems like they're trying, but boy, it's hard. It feels to me more crowded than ever when I walk around the streets or, you know, you go to the after parties and the lines like 30 minutes to get in. Um, Do you feel that way also? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I mean, but, you know, but as you said that, I think the best part is that, you know, there are surprises, you you know, you don't know who you're going to meet random people you you're sharing a shuttle with, Um, you know, it turns out to be like a, you know, the, uh, you know, the very senior vice president at world bank, or, you know, you just suddenly, you know, in the same like uh, trolley uh, with the Minister of uh, Women Affairs and who's feeling very cold. So it's, I think it's quite uh, fascinating in, in the way you, you bump into people. But I also would, like you said, that uh, from my vantage point is extremely efficient because you meet a lot of people you want to meet uh, at the same venue because they're all here. So, so I think I, rather than me traveling into 10 different spaces, I actually have met a lot of people, which is going to make my job a lot easier. And I will and, travel less in the next few months. Yeah. Right. And, and there is something about the cold and the snow that creates something of a bonding experience. You know, you know, you see, you see people and sometimes it's their first time here and they come from a tropical place and boy, they are having an experience. You know, I've met a few people who've never traveled outside of their home country and they're here in Switzerland for the first time. Yeah. But one thing, Roger, uh, the very, very interesting. I mean, I don't know if you were there. I mean, the, my week started with the breakfast, with, uh, which was hosted by the, the Gates Foundation. And Bill Gates spoke about the future of health, where he said, I didn't know this before, that both Gavi and the Global Fund was actually conceptualized in Davos. Uh, so it's, of course, one of the biggest success stories in terms of global health, in terms of how that's, aid that's has right. Yeah, That's right. And I would add to that list also CEPI. Um, you know, I don't know, the, the main event, the main meeting that you know brought sort of the people together, the governments and the private sector and the philanthropies that decided to build CEPI, the, the big vaccine initiative for developing new vaccines for neglected diseases and future threats, that was that was developed here too. So yeah, there are, especially in the global health uh, realm, there, there, are, there are a lot of things that have come out of these annual meetings. The world is facing a range of health threats, from an increase in disease outbreaks to the health impacts of climate change. I'm Janelle Ravelo, Senior Global Health Reporter for DevEx. Every Thursday, we bring you exclusive news and insights on how the health sector is finding solutions to these challenges in our free weekly newsletter, DevEx Checkup. Visit devex.com newsletters to subscribe.
any other kind of big takeaways for you from the week? You mentioned AI. Uh, anything else you want to say about that? Um, well, one thing on the tech front that I thought was really interesting coming from international development was um, the idea of tokenization, which is, um, you know, kind of partial ownership of assets. And um, one, one example might be space. So a country could own part of a, a launch rather than the entire thing. So it doesn't need to do the, all of the invested investing in all the infrastructure to get things up into the, to the air. And I just thought that was really interesting um, because as we think about investments in countries that don't have as much cash to spend, we don't want them to be cut out of policy decisions or, or real world decisions um, because they don't have kind of the upfront money. So kind of tokenization or partial ownership of big activities is kind of one way to move forward and be more inclusive. Yeah, that's a great example. And I'd love to get your take on this because my impression is there was a really huge upswing in kind of the crypto blockchain presence in Davos over the last several years. I mean, it got to the point where they're almost not every, but many of the storefronts on that promenade were you know, taken over by a blockchain business of some sort or another. And then, of course, we had everything that happened you know, with this sort of crypto winter and then FTX, I say 2022 was a very tough year. And it seems like maybe here in 2024, things are starting to come back. I saw more of a presence. I even went to a session at your storefront, Hedera's, uh, and listened to some senior people in the, in the blockchain community talking about governance and compliance and trust and how they kind of have to rebuild from first principles. I mean, what's, what's your take as somebody who's in that space of the of the state of the blockchain community here in Davos. I think you captured it so well that, you know, there there was a fluctuation after the fraud with FTX. And, and in a lot of ways, it, it was good. You know, it cleared out the bad actors. So like the people who care about governance and transparency and following the law remain. So it was good, kind of like a uh, whatever threshing or, or fil- willowing of of the crowd. So the crypto projects that are still around, or blockchain um, or digital asset projects that were still around in, in in Davos, are much more committed to working with governments and um, and building systems that can last. And and what about also some of the things you work on? Because I think of how you know BRAC is a Bangladesh based organization, but you're you're global and, and quite sizable. And you've been a real voice on whatever you want to call it, localization, decolonization, sharing and shifting power. I mean, has that that conversation I know was here in Davos in prior years. Do you feel like it was here at the same level, bigger, less? You know, what, what do you think about that, that theme this year? No, it wasn't on that level over here, but that conversation have gone kind of mainstream uh, in, the, in the development space pretty much. Like, so, so I think in a sense, it, it, it has gone to a much wider audience. So, so from that context, I wasn't really expecting that to happen. But I mean, I think, but, uh, but overall thematically, because uh, I've heard in many different conversations where uh, the word localization, but not in the sense of uh, development, only, but even localizing supply chain, localizing, uh, really building local capacity, uh, starting from vaccines to other things or regional capacity building. I think that was one of the lessons from uh, COVID as well. But at the same time, I think that's also another sort of uh, sign of uh, this multipolar world uh, that we are talking about that 
that, that that's happening. But in other space, I think from an AI space, when we talk about uh, what will affect the work that we do around youth employment and on, uh, you know, one thing is worrying that uh, that how much how many of the potential jobs are going to go away from from countries like Bangladesh and others, right? Because you know you you know that Bangladesh and India there are big outsourcing hubs, and and a lot of this basic coding analytics and stuff. Um, I have spoke to a number of people who are like academics and stuff. They were all pretty pretty certain that these are not gonna come to these countries anymore. So so that's but you know where in a in a world where we already huge unemployment there so you know how are we gonna um, do uh, do for livelihood generation for different types of particularly for young population we talked about green jobs quite a bit but that's quite not uh, thought through in terms of countries where this transition are not happening at the same speed uh, yeah, like in developed developed countries as well so so a lot of things to unpack there yeah, I agree. Just kind of as we as we start to wrap up our, our conversation today, I'm curious about things you may have heard or people you may have met that, that you think people listening into this would want to know about. And I can tell you from my standpoint, we host our annual humanitarian happy hour. We, we didn't give it that name, but it's sort of gotten that name over the years. And uh, it, it's great to see it grow. We do it with our friends over at Circle um, in their space on the promenade. And we just gather in a very friendly, uh, you know, very low program uh, kind of way and an evening for the, the people who work in the development and humanitarian community. And it keeps growing year after year. And we had a big group there. And just listening to the conversations there, as well as some other events I attended, I get the feeling that the climate and health uh, nexus, that that conversation is really advancing quickly. And, you know, there's a big community that's interested in that. I guess it makes sense at a World Economic Forum annual meeting because you've got, of course, you know, all the big pharma companies are here. You've got lots of people from the health community on the academic side and the policy side. And then, as we all talked about, lots of people from the climate community are here. So that was one takeaway for me when I try to think of the big, the big themes um, that I think are going to come out of this. I, I think there's quite a bit of discussion around climate and health. Anything uh, from your end, Nomi, that you think people should, should know about? Well, I, I agree completely. Um, I would add democracy. There was just a lot of, of conversation and concern around governance and, and democracy in this year where a huge amount of the world will be voting and choosing new leaders, um, you know, in terms of population as well as in terms of, of economic power. Um, so I think that that, um, that uncertainty around the elections was on many people's minds and uncertainty on how to um, improve governance in this, um, in this period. Yeah, I think the, the three of us, we're just missing, you know, a Pakistani friend and maybe, you know, a Nepalese friend, a couple of others. And, and we've got pretty much South Asia covered between the three of us. Um, and I think, I don't know about every country in South Asia, but certainly... India and Sri Lanka and Bangladesh, which just had its election, all of them have elections this year, as do you know some sixty percent of the world. So you're right. I heard a lot about elections and a lot of concern uh, about the state of democracy and growing authoritarianism around the world and what that pretends. So I think that's a great, great one to raise. Asif, any uh, any from you that you want to share with people before we close? Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. Because Bangladesh was the first country to go into election this year. I mean. Every single individual I met 
ask me about the election. So I, I was surprised to see that how much airtime it got in, internationally. But but on a on a different note, I think that what was quite interesting was that you know the growing acceptance of also the recognition that very large role the non traditional philanthropists are going to play in the coming space, right? So I think you know we had a number of these in COP, and we also saw that here that high net worth individuals, these foundations will need to play a big role in bringing in this kind of blended financing and some of these handling development challenges. So how to make them strategic and um, uh, more and more. I think that's, of course, the uh, BMGF, the Bill Gates Foundation is uh, playing a lead role in this, but but I heard that quite a bit as well from my vantage. Yeah, I don't know whether I was just hearing for hearing because I was listening for it because it aligns so much with you know, the piece that I wrote uh, just about a week ago now, just pre- sort of predicting what's to come in 2024. And a lot of what you just said, Asif, is, is what I talk about and that it seems like bilateral aid um, is under a lot of pressure, in part due to what, you know, nobody raised just a moment ago, that we have all these elections and there's a rightward lean, leaning momentum in a lot of the world, uh, including here in Europe. And that's leading to real pressure on bilateral aid at the same time the humanitarian crises are getting worse. So a higher percentage of the aid budgets are going there. Um, there's also more money going to sort of private sector initiatives because people see that as a possible solution. So traditional long-term development aid is really getting squeezed. And that obviously raises a lot of questions for foundations like the Gates Foundations. I, I get through, I get into that in, in great detail in my piece. I hope people have a look at it if they haven't yet. But I agree with you. I heard um, a lot of consternation about those realities, those pressures this week. And I think that's a broader theme than just 2024, but but it is a, a stark reminder of where we are as a development and a, and a health and humanitarian community. Listen, it has been a great pleasure to talk to the two of you. We're not even in the same room. So thank you, Asif Zala Nilmani Rubin, for spending a little time on this week in global development. Thank you so much, Raj. And, uh, and you're doing an incredible job in bringing the community together and have, have really solid strategic conversation so thank you for that an additional thank you for from my side thanks yeah thank you so much Asif and Raj it was a delight to talk to you both this has been this week in global development if you enjoyed this episode don't forget to subscribe using the link in the description to get even more coverage and analysis on the most pressing development issues of the day become a DevX pro member by going to devx.com slash membership and signing up Thank you for listening and see you next week.